Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. <laughs> Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. <laughs> Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Hey, I'm Matt Soroka. Today on the show, I discuss my favorite NFL strawberry. And if all goes well, we will all continue our ride just like the Titanic. I'm the Zany Burt Brody, and I'll tell you what I did instead of watching the Ravens this week. And I'm Josh Soroka, and it's time to sign Alex Cobb. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Section 336. Baltimore's best, Section 336, the number one sports broadcast, get your fix. What's the news? Let's talk about Buck, our favorite Orioles. What's the latest lineup? Home runs and stolen bases, this is a trip. Stay tuned in at 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I'm your endearingly studying host, Matt Sorokin. As always, I'm joined by the ba- Zany Burt Rohde. You call me the Baney Burt Rohde. I don't know. And the Zutton Lover Josh Soroka. Struggling over there <laughs> with some talking. Been a long day or something. Long Monday for you. I got a bad case of the Mondays. <laughs> but it's all right. I'll power through just for our listeners. All right, because every Monday is going to be bad from now on. The Ravens suck, and it's 99 days until the pitchers catchers. Yeah, no, I'm totally in. I've moved on. I'm totally in baseball mode now. Yeah, it's free. Is that free agency started when? Today? Well, I guess yeah, it technically yeah, started a couple of days ago, maybe. But today was like qualifying offer decision time, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. And, and yeah, I mean, I know there's 99 days till, till someone reports or someone starts taking pictures of Sarasota or something. But right. um, uh, Ravens, good season. I actually was happy with yesterday. They took some shots down the field. 
The receivers caught a couple balls. I was like, all right. Right. I'm not even mad anymore. I was like, all right. I mean, good, good effort, everybody. The, the, uh, let's the, come on Orioles. The takeaway, the takeaway from Sunday's Ravens game is Richard Perriman's done, right? He stocks he'll never be a good receiver. I that's your takeaway. I took that away what four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, so. but <laughs> I, I agree. But I mean, yesterday was the all right. We're gonna give him like one more shot or whatever. I mean, he. I've never seen a wide receiver who can't catch, let alone who somehow has the magical power to do it, bounce it off his chest and into the other players' team te- play teams' players so many times. Yeah, like when the announcer's talking about uh, how. Bashard Perryman has trouble catching the ball. Your entire job but, as a wide receiver is to catch the ball. But it's worse That's than their that. One job. It's worse Be than that. Be a quarterback or something. It's worse than that. It's the fact that John Harbaugh, in the pregame interviews, told the announcer Bashard Perryman has trouble catching the ball. That's like a pitcher who can't throw. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it did. I yeah. did. It did bring me to this question today when I was talking to some people. What is worse, the Orioles trying to compete? Without pitching, or the Ravens trying to compete without wide receivers? They had two wide receivers on the field on Sunday with uh, Wallace and Macklin, who are at least worth something. But, yeah, you can't say enough bad things about Perryman. It was like the one last chance. We're like, okay, we're going to throw the ball to you. Perfect passes directly in your hands. So all you need to do is grasp the ball and run with it. And he just still couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah, no, but the the auto star rotation is a lot worse than this receiving core. I mean, Jerry Macklin, Jeremy Macklin is a competent receiver, and, and Mike Wallace I think is fine too. Bashard Perriman stinks. Ben Watson's a good player; he's a good receiver too. So I think, and Alex well, Collins well, is a good weapon. I think the Ravens have some weapons. There. Watson's a tight end, but yeah. Well, he he goes up and catches the football, doesn't he? Yeah, he catches. Yeah, does he receive the football? Does he receive the football? What do you is he a catcher all of a sudden? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm saying like a receiver. They receive the football. He's, he's a receiver. He's a receiving tight end. Uh, but and then uh, now Alex Collins, a dynamic running back. I think the Ravens have some playmakers there on offense. They just they just can't put it together. I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly why. But whatever. I'm not even disappointed or mad. I was just like, huh. All right. Yep. Time, Lost another one. Time to move on. Uh, you think yeah. they? You think they fire anyone now by week? Well, you see the article that was spreading around this week, right? The Bernard Pollard article? No. Okay. No one cares about Bernard, Bernard Pollard. Pollard. Bernard Pollard came out and said that how uh, that Harbaugh's ego is has destroyed the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, because he got fired by Harbaugh. Yeah. Right. He's, well, he's, an, angry, he's an angry snowflake. Well, remember, Bernard nah, Pollard but Pollard also yeah. got, got fired at the same time that there were uh, – where Harbaugh doghouse was in full effect with guys who were outspoken. Yeah. No, the, I was referring to former's Broncos head coach, oh, Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, open to return as an offensive coordinator. He's hey. the best offensive coordinator we've Right, had. right. By open, does he mean in two weeks? The, the article <laughs> is about 2018. Uh, but, like, my response is, no, don't fire anybody. But if Gary Kubiak wants to come and be an offensive coordinator, pay him whatever he wants and fire everybody, hey. or fire yeah. whoever he wants to fire and get I'm, Gary Kubiak. I'm fine, with, I'm fine with fire John Harbaugh. And give Kubiak the, the reins. He said he doesn't want to be a head coach. He just All wants right. to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah, fine. Then, then yeah, Marty, Marty's gone. You, you, you bring back Gary. Gary had good, uh, got along great with Flacco. And hey, last time you fired your offensive coordinator, you won the Super Bowl. 
I think that yep. was the last time, right? When they fired Cam? Halfway through the season. The, yeah. In the middle of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, not that this team's going to the Super Bowl, no matter who's coaching them. It's more, yeah. more issues than coaching. Yeah, and you fire John Harbaugh mid through the season. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see why it makes sense to fire mid season. I feel like you only fire someone mid season if it's like there's serious issues going on in the locker room or with the team or something. Or, or your quarterback comes into you and says, "Hey, you got to fire this guy. I can't." I can't be dealing with these play calling anymore. Well, yeah, well that, 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 that's what I mean. And, right. and so from, from, from this standpoint, I see no reason to fire John Harbaugh. I mean, let him play out the season. Who knows? They might get lucky, make the playoffs. Everyone's terrible this year. And then right. you can even reconsider keeping him on for another year. But what's going to happen is he's not going to make the playoffs, and you fire him at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the, the Kubiak story is interesting. I think you could fire Marty – now and bring in Kubiak because you want to lock him up for next year. So grab Kubiak early now if he's open to it before everyone needs an offensive coach. What yeah, happened I mean, to there's Kubiak a long in Denver? Kubiak. What happened to Kubiak in Denver? Because I was talking about this with my dad. It, he's not the head coach in Denver anymore. Did he get fired? No, no he, he had health reasons. Yeah, right? he, he, okay. he stepped down because of health concerns. Gotcha. And that's why he doesn't want the responsibilities of a head coach. In the article I read, he wants the responsibilities of just the uh, uh, assistant coach or offensive okay. coordinator. Less responsibility. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, but I mean, there's 10 teams who would line up begging Kubiak to be their coach. So, I mean, a lot of success with Denver. Uh, he has success here with the Ravens. He has success with the Texans. Well, not really success with the Texans. That's not true. But he's had success a lot of places he's gone. So, I mean, the Ravens will want him, sure. But there's also – Five, six, seven, eight, nine of the teams would want them. Some of them with probably a better situation than the Ravens' offense right now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if you can bring him in, of course you would take him. Of course, I take him absolutely. absolutely. Oh, no brainer. Oh. Um, other thoughts? I, I mean, we're talking about Ravens football. I, I was excited they took some shots down the field. I thought that was awesome. Just awesome. And that's that's uh, what's been – I mean, honestly, that's been frustrating this season is to see all the underneath path. But they took some shots. When you have a guy like Flacco. So, yeah, it was exciting to see them take some shots. If guys would have caught the ball a little more, they would have won that game. Yeah, probably. I, I put a new segment there in the notes since we're talking about the Ravens already. Uh, Matt and I talked about it a little in the pre-show. I'm just curious. You guys actually watched the game then. Because I, I didn't watch the game. I watched a little bit of it when it first started off, and then I was like, I can't watch this garbage. I uh, I fell asleep during halftime, and then I woke <laughs> up again in the fourth quarter. You old man. I watched the whole game, every snap, baby. I watched I watched Gremlins on Netflix instead of the Ravens game. <laughs> a Christmas movie. And it, it, is, it is ridiculous. When's the last time... Any of you guys ever watched Gremlins before? Uh, I was 1989. Yeah, it came out in 1984. It is not good. (laughs) It is so stupid. I was watching it with my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old. And we were ripping them. We were ripping it apart like we were uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. They give give this family three rules. Uh, Keep it out of sunlight. Don't get it wet. And don't feed it after midnight. 
and the thing is living in their house for 10 minutes and they break all three of them. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So yeah, that was much better, but it was still better than watching the Ravens lose to the Tennessee Titans. That's good. I'm going to get behind this, this uh, segment, Bert. Next week, I'm going to do something. Uh, well, next week is the bye week. Shoot. Uh, bummer. But in two weeks, when we play the Packers, I'm going to find something inane and ridiculous and lame to do. <laughs> and it's going to be a better experience than watching the Ravens. I'm all about it. We got to try and top each other because I figure my Costco trips are getting a little old and stale. So I need to keep it fresh, like watching a movie from 1984. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. I went and saw Thor on Sunday after uh, in the evening, well after the Ravens game. That was much better than Gremlins. <laughs> I'm sure. Special effects, at least, were a little better. Yeah, I, no, I'll, I'll pass on Gremlins and I'll pass on Thor. <laughs> give, me, give me a break. All, All right, right, any other um, Ravens talk? No, I mean, they're, go, they're, go in the bye week. No, they're a bad team. There's nothing. There's terrible. There's nothing to be hopeful for. It's amazing that 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 one game in Miami that uh, against the Dolphins that they had, that game makes no sense with everything else that we've seen this season. Yeah. Oh, that, and that was a home game, right? Yeah, that, that was, was a home Thursday game. night. Yeah, that one in Miami. But yeah, yeah, you're right. That was a fluke. I told you guys it's a fluke when it happened. It's not. They're gonna they're gonna come right out against Tennessee and crap the bed like they always do. What? Well, all that, all that may be true, but we're still the second best team in our division. So, take that and to put right. that in your pie hole. Right. We're still not the Browns, and we're not. And we're not the Bungles either. The Bungles are yeah. a joke. The one, it was nice to see a team on Sunday that had as poor clock management as John Harbaugh, as the Titans caught a timeout during a uh, point after in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that before. A timeout called before an extra point. That was unique. Yeah, exactly. That was unique. As yeah. uh, as we are talking Ravens, the MLB Network was talking Orioles. And really? They, yeah, and they just came out with the Orioles projected 2018 rotation. Yeah, what do we got? We got Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman. I like it. I like it. Gabrielle Yanoa. Alec Asher. Oh boy, our boy and, Alec Asher. And the number five, Miguel Castro. That is how it went. And below that, it said the Orioles' number one offseason goal will be pitching. Yeah. So, I mean, breaking I, news. I was shocked to see. Like, I mean, I remember when we would see poor uh, projections last season with who would be in the outfield for the Orioles and stuff. Um, but that is quite the chart to start talking about for Orioles pitching. Yeah, so so let's get into this. Um, uh, there's been a couple things that has happened since we last talked. The thing that happened today is, uh, were we, did we talk about Wade Miley and J.J. Hardy not uh, not getting their options? They're bought out. They, they, so Wade Miley and J.J. Hardy are done. All right. Now, last week yeah. we talked about the Orioles uh, reached out to Miley. Right. So they weren't going to give him the option, but I guess thought maybe they could get him cheaper. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to pay fourteen million dollars for him, but they can get him for four million or two right. million or something. I don't know. Ridiculous. Though I really want no part of that. And so um, there's there there's there's that. And, and then today we hear that Wellington Castillo um, chose not to 
to pick up his whatever seven or eight million dollar option, which, seven million dollar option, which we all expected. So Casilla is going to go to free agency. So now all of a sudden this team is looking pretty different from last year, right? We lose JJ, we lose Wade Miley, Ubaldo Jimenez. Last I heard, the Orioles did not offer Ubaldo Jimenez a qualifying offer at seventeen and a half million dollars uh, one year deal. That may have changed. Yes. But last I heard about him, and it was not offered. I repeat, was not offered a qualifying offer by the. Orders. I'm glad. Yeah, I think. Um, so no Jimenez, no Wade Miley, no JJ Hardy, no Juan Castillo. This team is already looking uh, fairly different, and with that comes a lot of money, a lot of money available to spend. So I'm looking at the projections for next year. Right now, accounting. This is including arbitration and everything else. The salary right now for all the guys on our team after arbitration, our payroll will be projected $127 million. $127 million. Last year, last year we paid, we our payroll was about 167. So that gives us about 40 million, 40 million dollars to spend in free agency. So we so could the, easily afford Obaldo for one year, seventeen million. I'm saying <laughs> that's, that's exactly my point, Bert. Well, speaking of seventeen million, seventeen point four million is the qualifying offer for a starting pitcher this year. So guys like Jake Arrieta, the Cubs offered a qualifying offer. He'll probably decline that, thinking he can yeah. make more than a one year deal. And the raise. Can you say it again? Jake Arrieta, the qualifying offer oh, is yeah. $17.4 million. Jake Arrieta will turn yeah. that down, so he's going to sure. be a free agent available. Alex Cobb was offered that from the Rays. He'll probably also turn that down. Yeah, I was a little surprised by Alex Cobb being offered that, just knowing traditionally how stingy uh, the Red Sox are. And and from what I've seen, the Rays. Like I'm looking the at Rays. MLB Rays. trade the Rays. Yeah, what did I say? The Red Sox. Uh, how stingy the Rays are. And looking at MLB trade rumors, they have it projected that he that he's going to sign a contract of four years and forty eight million dollars. That's like the, their prediction, right? Forty eight, which is great, not a bad. But four forty eight, ah, if that's what I'm getting, I might be tempted to do the one year seventeen and a half million dollars, as opposed to the twelve million a year over four years, yeah. and then next year try to get that same type deal. Right. I always I always wonder about this because the numbers are outrageous. Because one year seventeen million, I could take that and retire. Like seventeen million, that's enough for a career for me. So these numbers make no sense, and it's I think more than the seventeen million a year. It's that the players want the security to know they'll be on this team for four years, and I think yeah. it's that long term. Yeah, uh, with all the injuries out there, exactly it's a guaranteed contract, right? Especially for a pitcher, um, but it shows you that that seventeen million. It shows you what the Orioles are going to have to spend to bring a decent. Uh, pitching it, pitcher in is going to have to be around that four year, 40 million. Well, I'll tell you what, I was looking at the article posted by uh, Rakubako. If, if ever the Orioles do anything, even like so much as sneeze, Rakubako turns into a blog. So I was reading his latest <laughs> blog about the Wellington Castillo accepting the offer, and I read the last line of this blog, and I almost fell off my chair. Like, I literally almost fell off my chair when I read this last line. What did he say? He said this. This is after he goes on this article about Juan Castillo, his, the year he had, not accepting the option for $7 million uh, to elect free agency. He then says, Duquette figures to pursue a veteran catcher 
to possibly compete for a job and at least provide some insurance at AAA Norfolk. Francis Pena is a minor league free agent who was outrighted three times this year. Duquette figures to pursue a veteran Why? catcher to possibly compete for a job? That sounds horrible. That's what he did last offseason. And it worked last Why? Why when yeah. you've got Caleb Joseph in there that can fill a hole for a while? Yeah, that's it. Doesn't make sense. If you're the Orioles, you have forty million dollars. <laughs> I yeah. want catcher's not high on the priority. Pitcher, I want pitcher, every pitcher. time going yeah. to finding starting pitchers or Manny Machado or Manny Machado. So and and the other people I've been hearing, I've been hearing people talk about um uh uh another left-handed at bat or defensive outfield help um and and i guess maybe but again i i don't understand why why like defensive help fine but in my eyes that's assuming if you're getting for more outfield help that you're thinking maybe austin hayes isn't ready and i can't imagine that a cheap better option is going to be a better option than austin hayes now, I know Austin Hayes is, I think he's a righty, and then you want a lefty, another lefty at bat. Let's, I think too much has made that lefty righty nonsense. But, like, again, I, I don't want more outfield help. No. I, we, I don't want it back to catcher. I just want starting pitcher. Right. We saw this season that it's, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. The Orioles need pitching. We've got guys in the minors that can fill other holes. Pitching is what we need. And I, we cannot be waiting until February. We need to be on the, on the phone with these guys today, tomorrow. Uh, there's no delay. We all know it's pitching. Everyone knows the Orioles need pitching. Yeah. So let's look at what the Orioles can do. And, Bert, I might need your help for the little math skills here. Um, okay. So the Orioles have $60 million to spend, right, for for started pitching. So one yeah. option. <laughs> I got my calculator. They could do is sign the best starting pitcher on the market, and that's you, Darvish. All right. Okay. Who's projected to go for six years, 160. Six okay. years, 160 would be what? Like 33 million a year or something? Six years for 160. That's 26, 26 and two thirds. Oh, look at that. So you could have spend Just the, under the 27. 20, yeah, you could spend the, the $27 million and still have, what, $13 million left over for, 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 other, uh, for someone else. Can I give you two About reasons? 13 mil. Can I give you two reasons not to sign you, Darvish? Yeah. World Series, what, game two and six? What did he pitch? Oh, stop. He pitched game seven. Game seven and two and seven. Yeah, he's going to make $150 million, and no one's going to care about that game seven. I guarantee it. Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, but, but the problem with that is if you tie up a long-term deal like that for that much money, you can do it this year. But, but long you probably are saying bye-bye to Manny Machado. Yeah, that's true. Right. Here's another option. From uh, AL East option. So let's talk about the, the right. inner division AL East. You want to go with my guy, Alex Cobb? I was first going to say the guy who is a little more expensive than Alex Cobb, Masahiro Tanaka, who they project okay. is going to go for five years, $100 million. But don't you think the Yankees will just wrap that up? I don't know. Do you, do you see him leaving New York? According to MLB trade rumors, they predict him going to the Phillies. Haven't we heard all these years, though, that like his elbows being held together with duct tape? Yeah. So giving him a five-year deal is for $100 million, I would back away from because of the arm issues. Here. Well, and yes. that mean, don't worry. Hold, I'm sure the medical stuff in Baltimore will, will find, figure that out. Dr. Nick Riviera. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi Dr. Dr. Nick. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So assuming... 
you don't go the Udarvis route because you don't want to jeopardize your options to sign Manny Machado long term. And assuming you don't go to Masahiro Tanaka route because uh, the arm issues. And assuming Sorry. you don't want to go the Jake Arrieta route because Jake Arrieta won't speak to you because you left on bad terms. Right. All that aside, going down to the next level, that that's like first tier guys. Now we go to second tier. And there's just two guys in you, the second tier. You think Jake Arrieta's a first tier guy? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he'll be. He'll go. Yeah, he 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 brought the Cubs a World Series for the first time in hundred and some years. Right. Yeah, he's gonna be a hundred million dollar guy at least. A hundred million dollar guy. It's amazing. Um, the, you go down a little bit, and they got Lance Lynn. They project okay. him at four years, fifty six million. That sounds more well, like thirteen million dollars a year. Four years, fifty six. That sounds more okay. in the Orioles range. Okay. Yeah. Where's you could easily where's he do currently pitching. Anaheim, right? he, I mean, he's, he's a Cardinals for guy, the, right? For the Cardinals, but now he's a free oh. agent. All right, then I'm going to say no because I don't want another National League experiment. <laughs> it, it, if you bring in a guy, you okay. have to bring in a guy who has proven that he can pitch in the American League. It's different. We we brought in Ubaldo, what, two years after he was a Cy Young candidate in the, in the National League? Yeah. That That's what happens when National League comes to American League. So, so let me get this straight, CC Josh. Sabathia came to the New York Yankees from Milwaukee. Yeah, and then he had some weight problems. Uh, so let me get this straight, Josh. You would rather have Miguel Gonzalez than Lance Lynn because Miguel Gonzalez has been good before in the AL East. Okay. No, I'm saying you got to give me an equivalent guy in the in the AL East. I'm telling you, the best pitchers are available. These uh-huh. are the best pitchers. So if you don't like them, you're this is the best. You're going to get someone worse if you don't like him. But fine. Don't like him. The next guy is your boy, Josh Cobb. That's the only answer. Rankings. Four years and $48 million is what he's projected to yep. uh, make. That, that's that's your best guy right there. You got to lock him, lock him up by next week. Yeah. Okay. But you have $40 million to spend. Right. So you spend $12 million on him. All right. Still, fine. I still got $48 million. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I still got $48 million. Twenty-eight million. You said I got sixty million to spend. Is that what I said? Yeah. So if I give I'm him sorry. twelve million a I'm year, sorry. Like, you have forty million. I said sixty. You have forty million. I have forty million. All right, fine. Yeah. I got twenty-eight million a year. Yeah. All right, that'll lock up Manny. It will. And there we go. But but, but your rotation can't be done with Cobb. My you can't rota- have Bundy, Gossman, Cobb, and then no one. My rotation. My rotation's done with Cobb. You bring, really? You bring in a guy like Cobb, and I'm okay going with the rest of the guys. I'll roll oh, the okay. dice with the other four if you give me a, a dominant guy on top. I will take my chance on Bundy performing well and Gosman performing well, and that gives you then three pitchers. I'd give Tillman. I'd try to pull Tillman in for eight, nine mil, um, and then and then lock it up with whoever's in the you know uh, Asher Castro. Yeah, the only way I get on board with that is if you can sign Manny Machado. Right. Oh, definitely. No, and that's my whole game plan is that you bring Manny back. If this is the year, if if you're not bringing Manny back, you got to sign three of these mid-level guys. But go on. Yeah. Let's let's play your game. Keep going through. Well, see that this is going to be the problem because I don't know how the Orioles are going to spend sixty million dollars. I don't know how they're going to. I mean, forty. I keep on saying sixty. Forty million dollars. I don't know how they're going to spend forty because. Once you sign uh, 
uh, Alex Cobb, if you sign him, there's no one else there. Right, and this whole free agent, well, this whole offseason begins with one question. Are we re-signing Manny? Right. And then that's the whole, you need to answer that question. This whole Duquette saying, oh, we're considering it. No, you need to have that answer two weeks ago and build your entire plan around that. Because you're at a crossroads here. You can go in two or three different directions. The question is, we've got Manny or we're not going to have Manny. How do we proceed? Yeah, I mean, because after that, you're looking at guys like Andrew Kashner. You're looking at guys like Jaime Garcia. You're you're looking at guys like um, Cece Zabathia, which are all veterans with big risks, which aren't necessarily better than what you have already on your squad. The only people that are significant upgrades – on your squad that are free agents are we've been over them you darvish masira tanaka alex cobb lance lynn jake arietta those really are only only significant upgrades you can argue maybe a cc sabathia type guy for one year or something or andrew kashner maybe you get lucky but those options don't really appeal to me and so you really have to get alex cobb <laughs> and right. I mean, if we don't get him then I guess we can move over to Lance Land if we don't get either of those two guys. I don't know what we do. I don't know what we do. Right, um, and that and yeah, but that's why it starts with Manny because that determines do we need to win next year or do we extend it a little longer? Do you get one guy or you know what? If we're not re-signing Manny, then you might as well get you Darvish and lock him down along with another guy. Spend all the Manny money on pitching and just figure out what you're gonna do. And if you're not gonna sign Manny, trade him. For a pitching prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. It changes everything, right? Because if you're not going to sign Manny, then I don't know if you want a 31-year-old, a 32-year-old you uh, Darvish on a five-year deal. I mean, because right. then it's like you kind of rebuild in mode anyway. I don't, I don't know. It's just a lot of tough decisions. But it all begins with Manny Machado, and, and you got to roll from there. But the starting pitching options, you have money. You have money. But there's not pitchers. <laughs> I think right. that's going to be the problem. Is not is not that we don't have enough money to get these pitchers. It's that there's only like a couple pitchers out there, and if right. you don't get them, you're screwed. Right, and that so, means they're going to cost more. Yeah, which is fine. Like overpay pitchers are always overpaid, overpaid for them. But even with overpaying for them, I still don't know if you can get them. Because if you're if you're a cop, right, and you want to do a four year deal, what? And you know, Josh, you talk about all the time. Pitching in the AL East is the is miserable. It's the hardest division to pitch in baseball. So why would anyone come to a team that just finished uh, in the cellar <laughs> of the AL East to, what, to pitch at Camden Yards, a hitter-friendly ballpark? I mean, why would Cobb come here? Why would yeah. Lance Lynn come here uh, unless you pay them a lot of money, overpay them big time? So it's going to be hard to get these free agents. And if you don't upgrade and start in pitching, next year's going to be a joke, an absolute joke. Yeah, uh, but – well, at least the Orioles' season ended over a month ago, so they've had plenty of time to sit down and decide what they're going to do. I mean, I, I have no doubt that they have that they have a game plan. That that I, I'm sure they have like a Manny Machado plan and a not Manny Machado plan. Yeah, but but are, have they chosen a path? You got to choose a path now. You can't be sitting and waiting until February to decide what path to go and then sign. Uh, Sabathia because no one else has and because Duquette lo- there's nothing Duquette and Buck love more than a guy who was great 10 years ago yeah it's dirt cheap 
Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. Like, what if Manny Machado doesn't tell you, Josh? Man, like, what if Manny Machado says, I'm going to wait and see how this year go- how this year goes? That's fine. But here's how you – but what are you doing? Is it – the only reason Manny Machado would tell you to wait would be two reasons. You're being cheap and you're not giving him a real offer or you're not giving him an offer. If you give him a real number that you think is a real number, you're giving him his $400 million that we all know he deserves and he's going to get, then he's either going to say yes or you plan on giving him whatever he wants like you did to Chris Davis. But it doesn't always work like that, right? Like Scott Boris is famous for, for, for doing this with clients. Like some of them just don't – like especially right. with a guy like Harper and Machado, you don't know. You don't know if it's going to be 250, if it's going to be 350, or it's going to be 450. You don't know. And the only way to find out is to get him in a bidding war in the offseason. Right. Chris Davis would have never made that money if he didn't get an imaginary bidding, bidding war with the, the, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. And so, I mean, Machado, you might want to just wait for that bidding war. So you might keep on saying, hey, Orioles, I'm kind of interested. Don't trade me. I'm interested. I'm interested. And then just wait for that bidding war at the end of the season to I get, get the most amount of money possible. Yeah, and I get that. But here's what you got to do as the Orioles. You have to come out and make him a real offer. None of this. We The Orioles have a reputation for crappy offers. They need to go out and make a real offer and say, all right, Manny, here's eight years, $400 million. Here's 10 years, $400 million. And Manny can sit on it. But the, the $400 Orioles, million, it better be, yeah, it better be for at least 10 years, probably 15 years. Right. $400 million. Give me a break. I think it's uh, 10 years, $400, $400 million. The Orioles make that offer. And then the Orioles... Got to tell Dan Duquette, hey, we offered him $400 million, 40, uh, and and they have to at least put it, leak it out there that they made a real legitimate offer with real numbers behind it so then we as a fan base know, okay, we're not, we're not overspending on pitching this season because they serious, are serious about re-signing Manny. You got to make your intentions clear or we're all sitting here like, what is Duquette doing? We're not going to do anything again. At oh, least, so for you, this is PR. You think the Orioles need to be better at if, PR? If Manny, if Manny says no, then you have to go the PR route. If Manny says wait, you have to go the PR route. Because if Manny says no, then I'm going to assume it's because the Orioles offered 10 years, $200 million. And, and they, if Manny says, if they do not re-sign Manny, I, without it coming out what the Orioles have offered, I will assume that the Orioles under-offered way under offered and try to what get that hometown discount that doesn't exist well i mean the orioles are good at pr so this is going no, to be the mark to share a thing where manny machado is going to sign somewhere else and the world's going to say man we offered him just a million dollars less but but he chose them over us just for that extra million dollars no we and that's all, don't you remember we offered to share way less Right, yeah, but 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 we we made it sound like we had a legitimate offer into him. Well, and so we'll do the same thing with Manny Machado. No, and that's why I'm saying that you've got to let the truth out because you've got to show that you made a real offer. No one believed that they that Tashera chose just just based on money. No, Tashera chose because he was a Yankee fan all his life, growing up in the right. park. Yeah, never forget. Some other Orioles. Knew, oh, hey, we're talking about the off season. Can I throw out some important off-season dates? This is baseball mode here, people. Some yeah, important yeah. off-season dates to, to, to look for. So today at 5 p.m. is when free agency, as Josh mentioned earlier. Today at 5 p.m., free agency officially began. Um, so Alex Cobb may or may not be an Oriole before the end of the night. Who knows? Um, 
today was also at 5 p.m. was the deadline just to give a qualifying offer to your players. Surprisingly enough, uh, Alvarez, Flattery, Jimenez, no one was given the qualifying offer. No one. Not even Craig Gentry? Not even Gentry. Not oh, even Gentry. Wow. No Seth Smith? Yeah. Um, tomorrow is when uh, Manny Machado wins his third gold glove because tomorrow the gold glove award winners are announced. So congrats, Manny. Is it too early to take against Manny? Maybe should we wait for tomorrow? He's up against Kyle Seeger and Adrian Beltre. And I'll just tell him, Matt, before the show, you have to go back six years before you get to Evan Longoria. The past uh, six gold glove winners have either been Beltre, Seeger, or Machado. And it's yeah. the same three finalists this year. So I don't know. I'd like to think he's going to win, but it could be a toss up. I have my tweet already written. I'm just ready, I'm waiting for it to be official before I hit congrats, Manny, on my tweet and send it out. Basically, I mean, that's the, forever in a day with the Orioles, like these little, you know, nice awards are like the only redeeming quality for what was otherwise a crappy season. Yeah. Um, on November 8th, the MLB Players' Choice Award winners are announced. I, don't, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> MLB Players Choice Awards. It's like the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards. I guess. Oh, no, November 9th, the Silver Slugger Award winners are announced. Good. The, the usual, Orioles usually get a Silver Slugger in there. Maybe Chris Davis Scope? won it once, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Scope this year, if anyone. I don't know. Uh, maybe Mancini. He has some good numbers. Man, Did you mention that he's a finalist for Rookie of the Year? November 13th is when the Rookie of the Year winner is announced November 13th. Today, we did find out, as Josh just said, that Trey Mancini, the Orioles' own Trey Mancini, won uh, or is a finalist for the yes. uh, AL Rookie of the Year. Boys, what are the chances that it's it's just it's between Judge, Benatendi, and Trey Mancini? What are the chances of Trey Mancini bringing home the Rookie of the Year for the AL? The same, the, Slim. The same, Slim. Right. Same chances the Orioles sign you, Darvish, and Manny Machado this offseason. season. <laughs> mm. Uh, it was Aaron Judge, uh, Ben Nintendo, and um, Ben Nintendi, and uh, Trey Mancini. So clearly, uh, Mancini's going to end up third in that list. But it's still cool to be nominated. Yeah, I was prepared to be outraged that he was going to be snubbed and not left off the list, and that uh, the guy who does the slant eyes for the Astros is going to get it. And I was surprised that Mancini actually was a finalist on the top three. So that's remember at the beginning of the year we talked about at the beginning of the year. He was fighting for a roster spot. And to go from yeah, that yeah. point to learn a new position in the outfield and to be so good offensively uh, to become considered an AL, AL rookie to your fi- finalist is a really a cool honor for for uh, for Trey Mancini. I was looking at it. It is. And, I mean, it is. The it's numbers crazy. It's crazy. He's first in hits among rookies. He was second in batting average among rookies. He was tied for third in home runs among, among rookies. And he was t- and he was third in RBI for for rookies. So I mean, just a great year. It is crazy though to think about the fact that he did not play outfield until we suggested it in December. Yeah, it's almost like it's not hard to run under a ball and catch it. Right. It's it's like they're all professional baseball players. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not too shabby for a kid who had literally nothing else to do on the day before opening day except to call into Birdland Radio and talk to us. <laughs> Um, other important dates, November 13th and 16th, the general managers meet in Orlando, Florida. A lot of trade talk. A lot of trade talk in Orlando. All right, when that, when's that date again? November 13th through 16th. 
13 through 16? Oh, that's that's uh, next week, yeah. And wait, where where's that? In Orlando? Yeah. yeah. I might be in Orlando one of those days. Can I just swing on by? Yeah, stop can, in to see it. Can I stop in and see Dan Duquette? Yeah. I mean, that's something we're not talking a lot about, but one option when the with the, such a, uh, a lack of good pitchers on the free agent market, Dan Duquette is known for pulling some deals in the offseason, so maybe a trade to bring in has, um, a pitcher. Has Dan Duquette ever made a move in November? A pre-Christmas no. move? No, he's a January kind of guy. January, February kind of guy. Yeah, I was just to say, are you joking? Because they always have those rumors of he's talking to people at the owner's meeting, but he yeah. never does anything. <laughs> it's atrocious. Yeah, they just wait for, he's waiting for the Rule 5 draft. November 14th, the manager of the year announced. Any chance Buck Showalter wins manager of the year? No. No, 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 no. Get out of here. Did, did, you, did you see the month of September? <laughs> uh, why did things so long for you guys to respond to that question? It was a trick question. <laughs> Yeah, you, you caught me off not paying attention, but now I'm paying attention. I, I was Googling where the winter owners meetings are. Of course, they're at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort. So no, see, I, but I was doing that too. I need to go. Is the owners meetings there? Because the baseball winter meetings are there, but not till December. Oh, that's two different things? I don't know. That's what I was, I was Googling the same thing. I don't know what the owner meetings are. That's uh, next week. Oh, no, yeah, this the baseball is winter meetings. The winter meetings are the real stuff that happens uh, in December. Which also where Dan Duquette does nothing. Right. So even though they, people tell us. But there's a lot more stuff. rumors in December than in November. Yeah. So what's the November thing? Is it they all take a vacation together? Yeah. They all meet up. And I, I, this is probably more about, I don't know, about rules or something. I don't know. But they all meet up yeah. for three days. Extending maybe, the netting, things like that. Yeah. Maybe it's just a whole vacation trip. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they all go to SeaWorld together. See Sh- Shamu. I don't know. That sounds fun. November fifteenth, Cy Young Award winner Cy Young Award winner announced last year. Um, Zach Britton was snubbed for not winning or even be a finalist for the Cy Young. Um, this year, do you guys think Dylan Bundy will get snubbed and not win the Cy Young or the Cy Young Award? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this segment is taking a turn yeah. for the ridiculous. It's not a snub. November sixteenth, MVP. <laughs> November 16th deadline for free agents to accept the qualifying offer. Oh, so we got to wait for November 16th to decide if Alex Cobb is going to accept that or not. That's a, that's a wait. All right, all right. Um, December 1st, you got to have your 40-man uh, rosters in. And then the big day. This is when Orioles make their money, make the magic happen. December 14th, the Rule 5 draft. Okay. So, so that'll be the first new Oriole that we get to talk about for this season. Yeah, so if nothing happens between now and December 14th, something will happen on December 14th. Wonderful. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. Another TJ McFarlane or another um, Jason Garcia. Who knows? Just wait and see. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, woo It's going to be awesome. We're, uh, we're, we're, on the, we're on the precipice of what could be a franchise-changing year next year with or without Manny Machado, with yeah. or without a big-name free agent pit, starting pitcher. Yeah. And we're we're also entering what is going to be Buck Showalter's eighth full season as the manager of this team. That's if you took his tenure with the Yankees and the Rangers combined uh, would be eight years. Mm, really? and, and sure, he's turned the franchise around, but at, at, at some point it's like, 
I feel like it, it could be spinning wheels, and it's especially with what may or may not happen in the two, 2018 season. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you, and you're right. This is a crucial offseason and a crucial year for the Orioles, for the direction of the team for the next five, ten years. Uh, yeah. But any notion that Buck Showalter has had an unsuccessful tenure here, I think is ridiculous. Because remember what life was like before Buck Showalter got here. He totally changed the, the culture. He totally changed the relevancy of this of this baseball team. And so even if they never win a World Series, even if Buck Showalter coaches here, manages here for two more years, and they don't make the playoffs again, I still can't look at his tenure as, as being unsuccessful. No, it's not unsuccessful, but it's right. time. It's time to either win or get on with it. Exactly. That's my point. It just, yes, he changed the franchise. He changed the tenure. He's known for that as a manager. He turned the Yankees around. He turned the, the Arizona Diamondbacks around. He turned the Orioles around. Granted, it, it, you know, he's, he's been here for seven and a half, going on eight years now. Uh, but yeah, it's either uh, poo or get off the pot. Eight years. He, did, he was four, four years with the Yankees, three years with Arizona, four years with the Rangers. All of a sudden, the Orioles, eight years? All right, how many opportunities he's going to get? Yeah, he's getting us to the playoffs, but we we can't get any further than that. We get swept in the in the uh, ALCS in 2014. That was three years ago. Right. What those other teams did is those four years, he turned the team around, he got them into the playoffs, and then they let him go for not getting far enough. Um, right. The Orioles, he got them into the playoffs, and then they kept letting him try and try and try, and it ain't working. He's still not getting anywhere. All three of those franchises have won a World Series. Uh, yeah, you know, since he left. Now, I'm maybe, not, maybe it wasn't the very next year, but it, they've all done it. Right. Now, I'm not saying get rid of Buck. I, I want Buck. I'm saying you got to It's I'm time to that win. Way. This I, is I, I, that I, way. I can't blame any of this on Buck. I, I really. Yeah. Yes, you can. Um, I'm Last am- year's wild card game. I'm amazed. How- oh, true, true. I'm amazed. Got him. I'm amazed how many um, smart baseball people I talk to that still blame <laughs> all of this. No matter what's going on, they all blame it on still Peter Angelos. And I have a hard time doing that. But I'm amazed how many people do blame this on Peter Angelos and that the discomfort in the warehouse between Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter is because of Peter Angelos and that it all comes down to Peter Angelos. Yeah, but we'll never know that. That Stories like that don't get publicized and, and nobody no. nobody knows except the people who are in the room. Well, we might find out in a few years when he dies and someone else takes over. Yeah, maybe, but you never know if, if Dan Duquette really is just a guy who picks off the scrap heap or a guy who is begging and begging for money, but he's not getting it. But nobody right. knows. Right. We don't know if Duquette is cheap because he's forced to be and he's actually pretty good at because of what uh, he has to work with or if this is Duquette's moves. We don't know at what point Peter Angelos says is involved. We know that, yeah. Peter, we know that Peter Angelos did muddle in the Chris Davis uh, relationship and sign in. We do know that much. I, I don't understand any of this conversation taking place. I have no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about. I mean, the Orioles are spending $166 million last year. $166 million. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot more than the Astros are spending. How much they're is still that? they're able to win. How much? Don't blame Peter Angelos because we're, we're right there up in top 10 in, in salaries. Right. And everyone, 
criticizes Peter Angelus for the for the Chris Davis thing. And if that's your biggest insult to, to Peter Angelus is that, that he meddles and money. signs and pays guys more money than they should get, and that's your biggest criticism of Peter Angelus, and fine, he spends too much money on players. Okay, fine, you can hit him for that. How about and Buck Showalter? You met a Buck Showalter every year. The Orioles are predicted to finish like ten games below five hundred, and every year Buck Showalter blows up those pre- predictions. How you about- want to fire someone? You want to get mad at someone? Get mad at whoever can develop a freaking starting pitcher for the last twenty years. Get mad at, at at the team's inability to develop one, one really good starting pitcher after we draft him in the first round every single year. Get mad at that guy. Who is that guy? I don't know. Some guy in the minors or some scout. Fire a scout. Yeah, it is. Um, the Astros are a great team to look at because that team was totally built from the ground up to do this. I think it's pretty amazing that Sports Illustrated predicted them to win the, the 2017 World Series back in 2014 by looking at their minor league system and who they had coming up. And to take a guy like George Springer and even put him on the cover, I didn't. it took me a few times of looking into that to realize that that was a true story, that they, <laughs> that, that, that they did that. It wasn't just a meme. No, I, 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 I saw the but cover. There was a lot of fake memes that sprung out of that one. Right. I yeah. saw that cover five, six times on Twitter before I realized it was from 2014 and not this week's uh, cover. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like if you have an awesome farm team and awesome prospects that in a few years they become good baseball players. Uh, the, the Orioles need to get, I mean, better prospects. And the, and the problem is that these good pitching prospects like Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy were still waiting for. And don't get me started on Hunter Harvey and more recently Cody Sedlock. Uh, like these guys, this is the only way to do it. There's no other way. And Andy McPhail said this, you know, 10 years ago uh, about growing in the arms and, and buying the bats. There's you can't spend $200 million on you, Darvish. So the only other way to compete is to grow starting pitchers, not to grow five great starting pitchers, but to grow, I don't know, three pretty good starting pitchers or one really good starting pitcher and then two okay ones. You got to do it. You can't. Well, sign I think they've, what they have done, Josh, they've done that with a uh... projected starting rotation. That's that's uh, that's five terrible. That's one good pitcher. One average pitcher and three terrible pitchers, and you got to be better than that. Yeah, but the good and the average are homegrown guys. Yeah, fine. That's not good enough. Not nearly good enough. You need to grow a you Darvish. You huh. you, you got to you got to grow a, a great pitcher, an ace. You got to grow right. an ace. Well, how do you do that? Is it international marketing? Is it is it the fact that they're cheap on their scouts? That they're cheap on signing young guys? Where is but the I, breakdown? I don't know, but but my point is, it's not Buck Showalter's fault that they can't develop an ace. It's not their pitching coach's fault. It's not. There's other problems here, and so to just say Peter Angelos sucks, or to say Buck Showalter hasn't won the World Series, I think is over the, oversimplifying the problem. And taking and then getting rid of Buck Showalter isn't going to solve any of the problems we have. It's not going to make a great pitcher start. It's not going to make us a break. Hunter Harvey just become an ace if you fire Buck Showalter. And you're not going to win unless your starting pitching gets better. But wouldn't you say that there's there could be some benefit to a change in the uh, environment, a change in the personnel that a new manager with them? One of our things in our notes is the entire coaching staff is coming back next year, right? Josh, yeah. you put that right. in there? Yeah. So, but- so we're bringing back the, the pitching 
coaching staff that put up the worst records in baseball history. Why would why would they not make a change there? Well, because if you're saying if you're blaming him for the worst record, you also have to give uh, Roger McDowell credit for Dylan Bundy having a, a career year and uh, giving like Dylan really Bundy good out of the pen. Dylan Bundy, it doesn't matter who the pitching coach is. Dylan Bundy is going to improve from 2016 to 2017. But if anything, like, I think Medal probably hurt his potential that he could have been. Is Wade Miley's going to suck no matter who? Right. Yeah. Bono is going to be terrible no matter who who's they're coaching him. Right. So you right. Wanna, you want to you want to blame the pitching coach for the bad things and then not give him credit for the good things. You got to either give him both or none. Either he does nothing or he helps them improve. And but, wasn't but Josh, able to help other people. But Josh, at the end of the day, how, how do you judge a pitching coach? One really good way to do it is by team ERA. Yes. And our team ERA was one of the worst in baseball. So, Right. And I would look at what that team ERA was projected to be and see how that goes. But really, for a pitching coach, a pitching coach, his real job is to, is to help players figure it out and to help players see what they're not seeing. So if I want to know whether or not I should resign a pitching coach, I'm going to go ask my pitchers. Hey, is this guy helping you or should we bring someone else in? Because it's way more about relationships than what he's actually doing out there. <laughs> I'm sure Wade, uh, Wade Miley and Chris Tillman both said, oh, yeah, McDowell's really helped me. No. Uh, I had the best year of my career. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Tillman's been struggling, but he came off of an injury. I mean, you have to. You have to balance it. Should we fire Scott Kubol because they weren't getting on base when we know the team philosophy is to hit the swing for the fence every time? Well, maybe the team philosophy is not working. Yeah, maybe. But that team philosophy we know goes down even into the minor leagues. So who sets that up? Is that the Buck Showalter philosophy? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Scott, Scott Kubol and everyone always likes to fire coaches. I mean, I think if you look at the development of some of our young hitters, like look at the young hitters, the veteran hitters who you would think at this point are beyond coaching, like Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo, they're the ones who struggled last year. The young hitters who you would think is are more um, open to coaching, guys like Jonathan Scope and Trey Mancini, had really good years. So yeah. from that standpoint, I really, I, I mean, I think Scott Kubal did, did a fine job. Jack McDowell, I, I think it's just you you give him another another year because you don't want him to be a one-and-done guy and you want him to have another run, run, run at it. That's the only reason I could think of why you would bring him back because you just don't want him – you think he can still get it done and if he just has another year, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and it's a shame that that one year is going to probably be the last year we have Manny Machado, that we're going to let him trot it out and try it one more time and not have the worst ERA in all of baseball. Yeah, but I tell you what will help it, that maybe bring in some good pitchers. Bring in the Cobb. Yeah. You bring in Cobb, I guarantee our ERA becomes better next year. You bring right. in Cobb and Lynn, it goes down even more. Agreed. You bring in Tillman and Miley, you bring back them, and then it's the same you, you know what you're getting. Yeah. All right. Well, what we got else on the show notes, boys? I was just gonna. I was gonna ask you guys about the World Series. A lot of talk about the number of home runs in the World Series. Do you believe that they're juicing the ball? <laughs> no. You know, they came out. Uh, you Darvish said the ball felt different. Uh, Verlander said the ball. He was uh, autographing balls, and the pen went right on the balls. Right. 
You don't believe that's, any of this, right? I mean, it's too much of a conspiracy that you had special balls brought in just to, for the World Series, right? For more home runs, differently from 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 everything else, and you you used you didn't rub them up or something right. with the mud. That all sounds a little bit weird to me. I don't yeah. know, but but I agree. I don't think the balls are juiced. But if you juiced them for the World Series, let's use those balls year round because that was a <laughs> really fun World Series. Home runs are exciting. It works for the Orioles. Let's let's just get more juiced balls. I'm all for juicing your balls. Yeah, and and good for you, Josh. Juice your balls all you want. I don't care either way. But what I'm saying is the I always look at the World Series as what the Orioles can kind of learn from it. And last year we saw teams like Cleveland who took the whole bullpen to the extreme. We're gonna have awesome bullpens. Our stars gonna throw three innings, and you and then you have the Astros this year. Who said, you know, our bullpen isn't really good. Our closure yeah, sucks. Not gonna so what we're going to do is we're just going to make every starting pitcher, uh, we're going to have good starting pitchers, and every one of them is going to be a bullpen arm. And so kind of do the complete opposite approach of, of Cleveland last year. So there's it goes to show there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. I just invented that saying. But there's more than one way to win a World Series as well. I mean, you just got to win games. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a pretty incredible – Josh mentioned the uh, the Sports Illustrated predicting the Astros back in 2014. And and the most incredible thing about that prediction is that they predicted that they would trade post-trade deadline for Justin Verlander, who would (laughs) carry them all the way through the postseason, uh, breaking records and just being amazing. Those kind of predictions, you can't can't put a price tag on. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, especially when Verlander was with the Tigers at the time. Yeah, yeah. Can't, you can't make that stuff up. Oh, wait. You just did. We're getting some requests for the Strawberry of the Week, Matt, in the chat room. All right. Let's get there. Hey, Josh, I put a link to a YouTube video. Can you play it for us? I can if you uh, give, the, if you give me a the, second and you want to set up your strawberry. Oh, yeah. So they, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are, 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 good, are good sports fans. This is from a press conference after a football game yesterday. Uh, the Panthers football game, and I'm sure you guys know where I'm going with this. With one of the favorite, one of my favorite strawberries. Uh, there's some big strawberries in sports. The biggest strawberry in the NBA is by far Kevin Durant. You watch okay. Kevin Durant talk at all, you realize right away that's a guy who's just a strawberry. You, if you just poke him or just look him the wrong way, he gets physically bruised and his feelings are hurt, and he'll go in the corner and cry about it. Um, another, the biggest strawberry, I think, in the NFL, and you might disagree because Jameis Winston, yesterday, he did some crazy stuff about it. You see this? You see Jameis Winston yesterday did this, like, do, like, the the wind symbol with his fingers and says, did you guys see this, his pregame talk? No. I, I heard something about him. Fill me in. This isn't my strawberry of the week. This is just funny that Jameis Winston was in his huddle. And you know how they get all huddled together at the beginning of a game and get each other pumped up. Jameis right. Winston trying to get everybody pumped up. And he says, yeah, here, I got I to gotta win. And he holds up his hand to a, to a W. And he says, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> he starts to lick his fingers. <laughs> and he's like, holds it to the other players. Who wants to eat this win? Who wants to eat this win? So they would lick his fingers. Like, he was out <laughs> <of the game. laughs> like everyone just kind of stood around him. And they, they didn't get pumped at all. They just kind of stared at him. It was a little bit off. That's they, amazing. They didn't all eat the W? Yeah, they didn't eat his W. Yeah. Um, but that sets up the real snowflake of the week. And in my opinion, the biggest snowflake in the NFL, and the biggest strawberry in the NFL 
is my man. I like the guy. I like him. He's one of my favorite strawberries, to be honest. <laughs> and that's my man, Cam Newton. Josh, do you have this clip? Your of assessment of uh, Funches' play today, especially yards after catch. You know, the funny thing about it is he has some quiet yards. You know, Okay, he's and, talking uh, about Funches here. But in the that's second, what he he's going to he, make he, a comment he can give about you those, Benjamin, you know, yards the after catch, very savvy, and, so and he's just growing into that role, and that's what you love to see. You know, I feel as if it's some things that he can learn from, things that I can learn from, you know, being that he's at a, a more poignant position. And, um, you know, we're only going to get better. You know, he, he, he's, he's taken that leadership role, grabbed it by, by the horn, and, and, and told everybody in that position room, like, listen, this is what we got to do. These are our expectations. Nobody's even, you know, give us an, given us an, an opportunity. You know, yeah, we just lost a great player. But nevertheless, you know, the, 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 the Titanic still has to go. Okay. <laughs> He knows but, what uh, happened at the Titanic, right? Titanic still has so to go. He has this great response talking about poignant, po- po- poignancy, talking about leadership, talking about nevertheless expectations here. And just a really good response, right? And then and then you're following with Funches and, and the leadership that Be- that Benjamin's leaving. When As Benjamin leaves, he's a great player. And then he throws in this comment about we got to continue on like the Titanic. Uh-huh. Does Cam Newton know as, how the Titanic ends? As the Titanic kept going around that flat Earth. <laughs> Hold up, and I I call this a strawberry issue because as you guys know, it's your education. Our, our young people today lack an education. Millennials lack good education. Of, and I, I mean, the movie. I guess they, right. they know how the movie ends. Titanic was an actual ship in history. Well, that's that a, hit an iceberg and sunk. That's yes, the thing. I, I can get that he doesn't know his history, but he didn't see the movie. <laughs> Again, the movie's probably before his time, right? Like, you guys were what, in high school when that movie came out? That was my uh, prom song, the Celine Dion song, 1998. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah we were in high school. Time. So you can excuse him for uh, And I guess it's a chick flick, but still, every, I mean, yeah, you should know the Titanic. Yeah, you you should probably know that Titanic. Uh, yeah, you should know the Titanic. That's that's like know your history. Just <laughs> know your history. And if you don't want to go there, then don't go there. But like you, he brought up the Titanic reference. He brought up the Titanic illusion of all the ships. Yeah, to mention. Well, hey Matt, I've got an even bigger strawberry of the week for you. Oh, okay. Top my strawberry. Look at this bad boy. I'll go throw that on some pizza. Bert, strawberry of the week is an actual big strawberry. Bert, it's delicious. Bert eating the strawberry with his song playing. It's just awkward now. Strawberry of the week. I tell you what, coconuts know their history. Juicy. <laughs> That's right. A couple of things are good strawberry. Jimmy mentioned a good point that you've got to mention he was wearing a top hat um, and a monocle while doing the interview. I think if people hate on Cameron's dress, he does dress like out of some different generation, like he's out of the 20s or something. But I I really enjoy his. He actually dresses like he was a participant on the Titanic. Like he was a, a guest <laughs> on the Titanic, is what he dresses like. He was the unsinkable uh. Molly Brown. Yeah, but I I liked I actually like the way that Cam Newton dresses. I'm a fan of Cam Newton's uh, attire. I'm a fan. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the NBA thing. It's it's what the NBA players started doing with the super dress up and trying yeah, to outdo glasses. each other in the press conference, and now it's crossing over to the end NFL. You know what? Yeah, I'd love money, to see. I, I want to see. I would dress like that. I want to see Joe Flacco in a big hat and a monocle. <laughs> He'd look like the Monopoly man. I'd yeah. like to see Joe Flacco just win a football game. Oh snap! <laughs> Burn notice. Yeah. But if he can't win any games, Bert, which he can't, wouldn't you like to see him in a top hat with a monocle? And and that shirt. Sure. And making that face <laughs> that he made after the concussion, where he didn't know where he was. <laughs> you could convince him he was the monopoly man. <laughs> All right, that's that's the strawberry of the week this week. Uh, so Cam Newton, like whenever, whenever like I'm having trouble finding something for a strawberry of the week, I look at what did Cam Newton do and what did Kevin Durant do this past week. They're they're, they're always good for something. <laughs> and and also the dad joke of the week, courtesy of your father. Next week, if they win, he will say they're beginning to take flight like the Hindenburg. <laughs> I see what he did there. I see what he did there. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, we thank you for listening again to Section 336. There's some good Orioles talk today. I feel, I feel, this put me in a good mood after a tough Ravens week. Though most of the Orioles talk is a little bit depressing, but we'll, we'll see where this offseason heads. Yeah, uh, yeah. next week I think we're going to get a little more into Ravens a little bit for the bye week and kind of ask, uh, I think we're going to get Ken McCusick going next week and kind of talk to him about what do, what do we watch for the next half of the Ravens season. Oh, hey, because you do every week, Josh, your show with Ken McCusick called Film Study. Yeah, it's called Film Study with Ken McCusick. Twice a week where we break down the defense and offensive play of the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Okay, I didn't ask you to do a whole plug for it. I'm but just helping I- you out. Yeah, you guys do. You're not helping me out because I said I didn't want to do a plug for it. You asked for you the plug. Do a video? You plug. Do you guys do it on video like that, like this? <laughs> we do, but I don't put it up on Facebook. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no. no. No, not yet. Okay, good. But this is going to be a Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to get Ken on. So our little triple triple box will be a quad. Yeah, so this is going to be cool. This is going to be a rare sighting that uh, the film study, Mr. Film Study, is going to emerge from his cave which he only does once a millennial and, and talk to us about, about the, the Ravens. So this is going to be a rare sighting of film study. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we haven't had yeah. him on this season. He's always uh, always fun to talk to. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's so much smarter than we are that it's, it's fun to feel dumb for a week. So I'm looking forward to yeah, feeling he, dumb. He, he's so smart. People write into the, the podcast reviews of the film study review saying Ken is awesome, Josh isn't that smart. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So now Section three, three, six is going to get a bunch of views. It was awesome you guys had Ken on, but uh, right. Matt Burton is pretty, pretty dumb. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're going to bring on someone smarter. That's why, yeah, we you got to be careful with interviews. Little expert, if you want to start a podcast, a uh, little professional advice. When you interview people, make sure you're always the smartest person in the room. We're going right. to break that rule on next week when we get Ken here. <laughs> right, and after that, we'll, we'll dumb it down. We'll bring in some uh, some of our friends and dumb it down. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna mention the name, Josh? Sure, sure. We'll anything? bring in uh, uh, we'll bring in Ryan Blake and RDT and Derek Arnold. Uh, those those, those uh, are all guys. Those are all guys who do great work. We yeah, like all those guys. All, yeah, but none of us are uh, crowns. Yeah, yeah. So before Ken Bikusa comes on here and makes us look dumb, you can still think we're smart and go to section and go to iTunes and write us a review. Just search Section 56 on iTunes, subscribe to the show, write us a review, give us five stars, 
You can also follow us on Instagram at Section Fifty Six. Like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Section Fifty Six Show. That's about it, right? Yeah, you're, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm killing it tonight. I'm killing it. <laughs> you can also follow me on Twitter at Section Three Three Six. Just you can like follow the Bane Bert Rody. At Bert Rody. Thank you, Bert. Would you fall asleep up there? No, but every once in a while, like the, the audio quality gets all digitized and funky, and I can't tell if he's talking to me or not. Uh, time to oh, get... that's because we're coming to you with stereo, stereoscopic sound. Time to get you guys... That's right. Perfectly normal. Got to get you guys uh, back in the studio. No delay here. Yep, yep, bro. Uh, and you can also follow the button lover on Twitter. At Josh Sirocco. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening. And as always, go Ravens and go home. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. Wait, you wait! I didn't know we were all introducing ourselves. That's what, That's you what he said. All right. That's what sure. Matt said to do. Okay. Sure, why not? All right. <laughs> I don't care. What is this, like a newscast all of a sudden we're throwing it around? Yeah, I'm morally <laughs> safer. <laughs> and Bert with zaniness. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> you need to have like a ticking clock in the background. Tick, 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 tick. Today on 336. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. However you want to make a splash this year, Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds can help every step of the way. Woolrunner Mizzles are shoes crafted with premium, supernatural weather-repellent materials. The high-top uppers are moisture-wicking merino wool with puddle guard technology. And the supernatural rubber treads ensure all-weather traction, so you can jump into anything, rain or shine. Make a splash with Woolrunner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.